Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to preview the Jonathan Gannon Bowl. Coming to Philadelphia here, Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock kickoff, as the Eagles' former defensive coordinator comes to town looking to, I guess he wouldn't be getting revenge on the Eagles, because after all, he, he did he did dirty. To us. So the Eagles looking for a little revenge against their former defensive coordinator, who, of course, left after costing them the Super Bowl. His dalliances with Arizona during Super Bowl week, of course, um, the, the source of a lot of speculation as to how divided his attention was and and all that stuff. So much emotion coming into play here this Sunday afternoon. But the Eagles have a football game they have to win against one of the worst football teams in the NFL, a must win game. For the Philadelphia Eagles here on Sunday afternoon. And Walter Mitchell uh, is going to be joining us. He's the deputy editor of Revenge of the Birds. That's the SB Nation Cardinals site. We'll be talking with him in just a couple of minutes to break down the X's and O's of a very bad Cardinals team who will come in and try and secure what would be a shocking upset over the Birds in Philadelphia. So uh, we'll do all that coming up here in the next few minutes as well. I'm also going to have just a couple of quick thoughts about Eric Allen who was uh, nom- is a, a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction this year. I wrote an article for Bleeding Green Nation about that this week. So if you want to read that, make sure you check out bleedinggreennation.com. Uh, that's where you can find that and all of the other news notes and rumors about the birds heading into this all-important game this Sunday afternoon against the Cards. Well, we come into this game against the Cardinals on Sunday afternoon, a rare 1 o'clock kickoff for your Philadelphia Eagles taking on It's not just the Arizona Cardinals. Normally, when the Arizona Cardinals come to town, not a lot of juice because, you know, there is a history between these two teams, but it's not a fierce rivalry. But our old pal, defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, coming back to Philadelphia, where he will be cheered by the adoring mob above him. And uh, we will all be watching to, to, to see just... The, the graciousness and the love that the fan base will dis- uh, bestow upon the man whose uh, defense took them to the Super Bowl last year, I am sure. Joining me to talk about this game, give us a little bit of an X's and O's and a feel for what's been going on in Arizona this year with Jonathan Gannon at the helm. Walter Mitchell, the deputy editor of Revenge of the Birds. That's our SB Nation Cardinals site. Walter, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy once again. How are you? Good, John. I'm uh, I'm in eager anticipation to find out. Well, I wish it would snow in Philadelphia because I wonder who would get more snowballs, Santa Claus or Jonathan oh, Cannon? <laughs> that is an excellent question. Uh, you know, I think the obviously the 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 Santa deserved the snowballs. I don't know if you know anything about the history, but he had it coming. Um, 
But with Jonathan Gannon, the closest I can think of is like the Jimmy Johnson ice ball game. Remember that came from back in the oh, late yeah. 80s when he came under fire. And, you know, I don't oh. think Jonathan Gannon is as hated as Jimmy Johnson was with the Cowboys, but he is among the more loathed former coaches in Eagles memory that I can that I can remember simply because of how it all ended. Nobody really liked his defense last year, even though statistically speaking, it was one of the best in the NFL. But everybody could look and see the roster was just littered with great players everywhere and guys having Pro Bowl caliber seasons. Uh, career seasons up and down up and down the lineup but in the super bowl and obviously we found out after the super bowl the cardinals had been courting him against the rules and he you know the the defense laid an absolute egg against patrick mahomes and the chiefs that day and so every eagles fan puts the majority of the blame for that Super Bowl loss at the feet of Jonathan Gannon. And now he's coming into Philadelphia on Sunday afternoon as the Eagles need two wins to clinch the division title. They have an outside shot at reclaiming the one seed if the 49ers stumble and they win their last couple of games. The Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon have a chance to come into Philadelphia on Sunday and absolutely ruin everyone's lives. And so that... (laughs) That's on the table here, Walter. But let me get a sense from you. It's it's been a it's been a long season for Cardinals fans. They're three and twelve. They lost to the Broncos last week. How has the Jonathan Gannon experience been for you guys? Uh, there are many many um, fan fabricated myths going on around this season. A that Cardinals are playing harder than ever, which is to me an absolute joke. Um, they rank the bottom of the league in virtually all categories except uh, running the football. Um, the defense has been the worst coach defense I've seen in quite some time, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> Vance Joseph, James <laughs> Fetcher. Um, it's just uh, in zones, they're like cardboard figures. They don't pick up men. I mean, guys are wide open, left wide open. Um you know, and, and it's just, uh, and he plays a, a preponderance of zones. He starts two mini inside linebackers who are getting pounded between the tackles. Um, when And he puts a, a guy like a stud inside linebacker like Zaven Collins on the edge, moves him there to put Kaiser White at Mike. Ugh. Which, which uh, I mean, Kaiser White is good in the will, but he, at Mike, you got to be, he's a converted safety. Yeah. And his game grades on PFF have been like the sine curve. <laughs> one good, one horrible, one, I mean, to, you know, up and down. I mean, I think his, he's out for the season now, but I think his, his, his uh, year-long grade is in the 50s. Um, the other inside linebacker, Josh Woods, who's never really played. He's like a six-year veteran who's never really gotten playing time anywhere his grades are in the thirties. I mean, he's a smallish player. I mean, he tries like heck, but he has no instincts or very little. And he's not a downhill tackler to the football, the kind you want when, you know, when you're trying to stop Kyron Williams and, and Christian McCaffrey who ran totally wild over us. And if you get your running game going, it, it, it this game will be over by halftime. Um, Cause uh, you know, we don't have, uh, linebackers that defend uh, the run very well. And up front, we've gotten pretty good play from um, our defensive line, makeshift defensive line. 
they're grading pretty well. And Derek LeBlanc, the uh, assistant coach there, I think is the best defensive coach on this, on that side of the ball. But, um, but there are no, there's no studs there like you guys have. So, I mean, this is going to be a game if your defensive line controls the line of scrimmage, which is the Cardinals strength, you know, on offense. Mm-hmm. And I think you, your offensive line should have their way with the Cardinals. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think this is even going to be remotely close. Yeah, I mean, I, I think well, let's look. We'll talk about because Jonathan Gannon is a defensive coach. Let's talk about the Cardinals defense. And our experience with Jonathan Gannon last year was that there seemed to be zero creativity with what he was doing. Uh, Vic Fangio disciple, obviously bend, but don't break relying on the front four and last year's front four for the Eagles put up a ridiculous number of sacks. Many of the same players are still there have not been able to replicate that kind of success. And that's one of the reasons the Eagles defense this year has fallen far short of expectations. But with Jonathan Gannon's defense last year, you just saw, you saw guys giving way too much cushion. Good quarterbacks had absolutely zero trouble picking apart the Eagles defense because they made things so easy for people. But I know the Cardinals came into the season with not nearly as much talent as any of the Eagles defenses that Jonathan Gannon coached, either the two seasons that, uh, that that Jonathan Gannon was there. So how much of what has been going on with the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon's defense is scheme-related, stuff that he is responsible for, or the fact that he maybe just didn't have good enough players? Well, that's the crutch. Like, with Cardinal fans, it's, well, the talent sucks, so, you know, what do you expect? Same thing with Kyler Murray. It's like, you know, even though we have the best offensive line we've had in years, the offensive line sucks and the receivers suck. So it's not Kyler's fault. Um, It's, you know, so Gannon and Kyler are untouchable. And the the biggest thing Gannon did to endear himself to Cardinal fans would sit was when he said, I wouldn't have taken the job without Kyler Murray as the franchise franchise quarterback, which just made me cringe. But yeah. And some other fans cringe because when Kyler Murray is in his fifth season and he hasn't finished one season strong, um, go and look at his records post-October. It's awful. And, you know, he's worn down physically and unfortunately had the ACL last year. But getting back to the defense, I mean, you know, I mean, Zayvon Collins is a guy to build a defense around. Moving him to the edge where he's been – making two or three tackles a game when he could be making double figures every game is just, to me, a, a gross error. Um, and particularly the way we've been getting blown, the linebackers have been getting blown out of there. As small as they are, that was a huge mistake. He's got two of the best safeties in the league. Um, he's not being creative with Buda Baker the way Vance Joseph was, mm-hmm. and that's really disturbing to me. Well, Buddha's still playing well at a high level. Jalen Thompson's been very good underneath, not so good in deep coverage. But he's got two great players to work with there. He, you know, I've asked all my defensive coaching pals, and I have quite a few from my coaching time and also from NFL contacts. I've asked them, is Isaiah Simmons a guy you really wouldn't want to coach? And they're like, give me Isaiah Simmons in a heartbeat. And, you know, this is – so Isaiah had a couple – you know, had a bad game, a preseason game, and they trade him for a seventh-round pick to the Giants. And, I mean, I, 
I mean, if you can't coach up a guy like Isaiah Simmons, who was really yo-yoed by Vance Joseph, and there was some coaching that needed to be done there with him um, to get his head straight. But to quit on him so early um, and to trade him for a seventh-round pick, he was the number eight pick in the NFL draft and won the Nagurski and the, you know, um, Benderic Award. I mean, the guy was, you know, had coming in, he's a first-class athlete, mm-hmm. kind of guy you want to coach up, not alienate. And that really disturbed me. So, I mean, if you're talking about lack of talent, you just – piss away you know isaiah simmons uh, i don't get that you know plus you know there was some you know pretty decent solid pre-agents they signed up front they got hurt early a couple of them like carlos watkins he's from your division was previously with the cowboys and right and lj collier um a first round former first round pick he got knocked out of there which hurt but uh <laughs> You know, it's just the and then sticking with Marco Wilson at cornerback when he was getting toasted for eleven straight weeks was a mind-boggling decision, and <laughs> just a, a lot of things just didn't look right or feel right, and uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, clearly the Cardinals don't have are pale in comparison to the talent that, that the Eagles have on on defense. There's just no question about that. But it sounds like Gannon. It gets, sounds like Gannon isn't doing anything to trying and and maximize what he has. And obviously, there's there's underst- as much as I don't like Gannon and Eagles fans don't like Gannon. There has to be some kind of a realization and acceptance that he hasn't had a lot to to work with. But he has had some things to work with. And one of the things that you have to do if you're a good coach is get more with less. And Jonathan Gannon never gets more with anything. He just gets what he gets whatever they're gonna give you and sometimes we'll give you less with with what you have whether it's more or less so uh yeah. just that, and, and go ahead yeah that's a perfect way to put it and and here's the thing i mean so you got look at two other defensive coaches this year um D'Amico ryan's in houston okay name me other than you know stingley four guys on that and, and the the draft pick, you know, um, the Alabama rusher um, Anderson. Name me four guys on their defense. Yeah, other than that. yeah. Uh, look at Raheem Morris of the Rams. You know, they're t- starting two six round cornerbacks. I mean, those guys are in playoff contentions with defenses that had similar talent as the Cardinals. And in some case, I think the Cardinals all the way around, other than Aaron Donald, obviously, had as much talent going in as the Rams. So, I mean, you can do more with less. That Those two guys have proven it. And, you know, here's the thing, though, John, is that you talked about lack of creativity. That's so true. I mean, he just sits there. First of all, I've never seen a coach, a young coach, stand alone on the sidelines like he's Bear Bryant and doesn't do shit. I mean, he's like just <laughs> he's like a statue. I mean, he's not. He came in saying, "I won't coach the defense, or don't ask me to call the plays. I won't take the job if if that's what you want." Which I thought was bizarre. I mean, it'd be different if he hired Mike Zimmer, right? right. I mean, okay, fine, but he takes Nick Rallis, who's you know thirty years old. I mean, an extension of himself, basically. 
And then here's the thing. I'll just make one more point to this about lack of creativity. I've watched whole halves where the Rams, 49ers, teams in our own divisions, which, by the way, have outscored the Cardinals 163-78. to 78. Mm-hmm. On 0-5, every quarterback has had a rating in those games of over 110. Every running back has had a, uh, an average of over 5. I mean, how did he prepare for his own division is beyond my, my realm of uh, comprehension. But get this. If you're a defensive coordinator and you're watching a team run the ball down your throat, what do you do? What creative thing do you do? I'll tell you what everybody does. They either drop another defensive lineman into the box or you run blitz. You run blitz to try to get into that backfield. Yeah. Just the way to, you know, plant a seed that we're not going to let you do this all day. He just sits there and does nothing. Like in the Super Bowl, there's there's nothing. And then, like in the Super Bowl, we've seen on so many occasions this year, running backs in particular, wide open, with no one assigned, even against zones. I mean, we had a play two games ago against the 49ers where Christian McCaffrey ran a wheel route, was wide open, slipped, caught the ball, was now you know on the on the turf with 10 yards to go for a touchdown gets up and walks in there was no someone did a stat no cardinal ever got within 15 yards of him and do you remember the pacheco touchdown yeah yeah i mean it was like instant replay i mean how do you coordinate a defense and allow for that kind of just absurd um coverage you know, uh, gaff like that. So the lack of creativity, you said really, really well. And that bothers me because, and it comes true in the, in the pass rush too, because we're not talented enough to get enough pressure with, with four guys. So we have to blitz a lot, but he doesn't. Do you, do you think there's any possibility Gannon is a one and done coach or does he get at least one more season in Arizona? Well, I think he's so over his head in the NFC West. Can you ever imagine him matching wits with Kyle John Shanahan? Day, Kyle <laughs> Shanahan yeah. and Pete Carroll? Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, he beat he beat Kyle Shanahan in the NFC Championship game last year. The defense played really well that day. But again, I, I keep coming back to the fact that he didn't do anything. He had a he had a defensive line that right. never blitzed, never stunted, never did anything. He just had like a rotation of six or seven guys that consistently won their one-on-one battles and got 70-plus right. sacks last year. Like that's, that's how his defense was able to function. And he had Darius Slay and he had James Bradbury both playing at the top of their games at right. cornerback with Avante right. Maddox healthy for most of the season as well. Right. So, so, that's, so he did beat Kyle Shanahan. Any Gannon, any Gannon supporter will tell you that, yes, they did. And again, I think the Eagles would have destroyed Brock Purdy, even if Purdy had been in the game with the way that defensive line had been playing going into that game. And I think that would have held true. But that being said, Gannon didn't do anything special to combat Kyle Shanahan. That that was all on the defensive line. And of course, once Purdy did go out of the game and, and they lost all quarterbacks, then Gannon's defense's job was made totally totally easy well i would have been fascinated to see i mean in my mind our former cardinal escapee which still uh sticks in my cross so bad hassan reddick was the difference maker in that game because 
of the hit he made on on Purdy. And at that point early in the game, I think it was too early to tell what would have happened. I mean, I tend to agree with you or sort of, but I'm curious. Um, I think that game might have gone down to the wire um, if Birdie had remained in there. I mean, if you recall, even with a backup quarterback, they got a touchdown from McCaffrey um, to keep it close early. But then, you know, just when they lost the second quarterback and um, because the Niners were rolling at that point and um, it was just so early in the game. But yeah. to take Purdy out of the equation there was was you know I, certainly a huge part, and Reddick did his thing. I think where where Purdy's injury and being out of the game really was affecting the 49ers was in the second half because you're right, Purdy yes. went out early, but they did score. The game was right. like seven to seven with like right. six minutes left in the first half, and then the Eagles scored. I think it was two quick touchdowns right before halftime. Right. And right. then I think they added a field goal or whatever right after halftime. And by that point, even if Purdy's in the game, it's it's like a two two score game. It's a thirteen point game, six seventeen point game, something like that. That's still a lot to ask for a a rookie in a hostile environment in the NFC Championship game to kind yeah. of bring them back. But your point is taken that Jonathan Gannon in that game, his the second half of that game was simply just non competitive. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna that doesn't cheapen the Eagles winning that game and getting to the Super Bowl. They the defense knocked out their starting quarterback and, and that's part of football. And you know, they knocked out the, the the backup quarterback. That's part of football. That happens sometimes. So uh anyway, it's it's an interesting, fascinating conversation conversation with Jonathan Gannon. And I to to think that he can come into Philadelphia and lead the Cardinals to a victory, because I also think like, you know, what's he gonna do? He's not a, a motivational speaker. Like he's not impressive in any way, oh. shape, or form. Trying to imagine him rallying these troops, like are these are these guys, is he loved by the clubhouse by the locker room? Like is he, are they gonna are they, is he gonna be able to rally his troops together for him to get up for this game against the Eagles? Like the Cardinals play players don't care about Jonathan Gannon getting booed at Lincoln Financial Field, do they? Like, they're not going to, he's not going to give some kind of rah-rah speech like, win one for me, so, you know, so we can, so I can come out of here looking good. Has he, I don't think he's earned that kind of cred, right? Well, the myth is, is that the, that he's well-liked and brings great energy. Um, but I don't see that in the team's play. Um, I think the team, the reason why the team could be considered playing hard is James Conner who is bawling his tail out. Yeah, let's uh, talk about the Cardinals' offense a little bit yeah. here, and let's start with him. Yeah, I mean, keep going. John, he is a special player, and uh, wow. And um problem was he was hurt for a few games, which really hurt us. But when he's played, I mean, he's been a bell cow, and he's just one tough guy to tackle. And, and he runs hard. And this, this wide zone scheme, blocking scheme now, put in by Clayton Adams, the new offensive um, line coach, has been effective. We're more physical up front than I've ever seen um, in, since the Conrad Dobler, Dan Deerdorf days is the analogy I made back in the, from the, from the, uh, the 70s. Um, they're really physical up front, which is great. Um, but uh, And they their first-round pick, Paris Johnson Jr., is looks like he could be a potential um, Pro Bowler for years to come. Um, so the, the and so, but um, and then on the other side you have Buddha Baker, who's the quintessential leader of a football team. Um, you know, and those guys will hold the whole thing up for everyone. And and on special teams we got Matt Prater, who's probably the 
the best long range kicker of an NFL history. Um, and he, he's, he does a great job. So the leadership the, from the players in that building, I don't care who the coach is, you're going to get it from those guys in spades. Um, and uh, I don't think they've handled Buda Baker properly. And that wouldn't surprise me if he wants out. And that, that he's been my favorite player, John, for uh, uh, since he arrived. Yeah. Come to he Philadelphia, is. Buda. We, we got a spot here for you. Come on. Yeah. I mean, uh, oh my God, is he everything you want in a football player? Um, if there's any chink in his armor, he's not a great deep safety. Um, he's more of a box safety. But who cares? Play the yeah. box. Yeah. You know? But <laughs> yeah. one thing he is great at, at at deep safety is storming the alleys to make tackles. I mean, he just does not miss. And um, but playing stuff behind that gets behind him is tough because he doesn't have the kind of speed and range that you'd want from a deep safety. Um, and that's been a that's another thing you can exploit uh from the Cardinals and, and Gannon's defenses. You can throw it deep. Um, consistently well. Uh, Cardinals have not been a, not had an answer for that. And uh, Jalen Thompson also is a box safety. He's not um, that good um, in in deep coverage. So that's between running the football and taking your shots deep. I think you could score into the forties. Well, and that's that's the mo of this football team. That that's what they want to do. I mean, and and we've been calling for the Eagles to stop trying to play hero ball and and seek the big play as much as they do because I think they do it to their detriment sometimes. Yeah. When the middle of the field's open and you've got some a fifteen yard chunk play, you don't necessarily need the contested ball to AJ Brown every single time forty yards down the field. Right. But there are games and there are opponents where it really does feel like the there's no excuse for the Eagles' offense not to put up thirty five plus points in this game. Given the given the fact the Cardinals have allowed the most rushing yards in the league, you're talking about the fact that they can be beat deep, and the Eagles have two of the best deep threats in, in football here. Uh, it, it This and Dallas Goddard, one of the best tight ends in football. If the yeah. Eagles' offense struggles in this game, there's already a little bit of panic in Philadelphia, some, some alarm bells going off with this offense. If they have trouble on Sunday against Jonathan Gannon's defense, then you can really have a cause for concern in Philadelphia because they they should there should be very little resistance put up by by the Cardinals defense against this this Eagles offense. But I want to flip it over to the other side of the football and talk about yeah. the Cardinals offense. James Conner, you mentioned averaging 4.9 yards per attempt this so far this season. You said he's only started 11 games because he's missed a couple of games, but 762 rushing yards on the on the season so far. The Eagles' uh, run defense has been up and down. Some weeks they're pretty good. Some weeks that you can see some of the the holes in in the scheme and whatnot and so i'm not not the eagles have also had some issues tackling this year so if james connor kind of being a big bruising uh runner hard to bring down type of guy uh, it could be a nice day for him if the cardinals can keep the game close and that's going to be a big key the eagles jump out to a two three score lead it's gonna be hard for them to keep running james connor and the eagles be more than happy to give up six yards right. a, a clip to connor to allow some 10 nine minute scoring drives but where where the eagles Defense has really been a big concern is in the passing game. And so let's talk about Kyler Murray first, and let's talk about some of his weapons here. I was looking at Hollywood Brown's numbers. He's only He's been targeted over 100 times this year and has just 51 catches. Like, he's only caught, like, half his targets. What's going on there with, with trying to get the ball to this guy? Because he, he is dwarfing everyone else. Well, Trey McBride has 93 targets, but 72 catches. 
for 743 yards. McBride, has, uh, as a tight end, he's been their most effective receiver this year. That poses problems for the Eagles. But as I look around the rest of the passing offense, h- how is it they're not able to get the ball to Brown more effectively? Well, he's had a heel issue. He won't be playing this week. Um, he's been uh, limited. He hasn't practiced in weeks um, trying to heal his heel. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's in a contract year. It, it's unfortunate for him. Um, you know, uh, and, of course, he's got his best buddy, Kyler, back at quarterback, but hasn't been able to do anything with Kyler. He and Kyler had a good little run for a couple of games there last year before he got hurt last year and before Kyler got hurt. Um, so, I mean, there's inbred chemistry there if they could ever, you know, get back. But uh, the as a free agent, he's commanding, I guess, 12 to 14 million a year. And I can't see the Cardinals paying that in good conscience because of the injuries. I mean, I don't know if anyone else will, but um, I think a, a one-year prove-it deal to remain at a reasonable, you know, mutually agreeable salary would be good there. Um, but uh, Trey McBride, finally, when he got his chance after uh, Zach Ertz struggled and then got hurt, um, and I got to give a ton of credit to Zach Ertz coming back from the ACL as soon as he did and trying his butt off. <laughs> Problem for him was... I mean, the last thing you want on an ACL is a quarterback who's throwing the ball high to you, um, you know, in traffic. And yeah. uh, and he was having trouble getting to high passes from Josh Dobbs. But the remarkable thing is that Josh Dobbs had our rookie, Michael Wilson from Stanford, third-round pick, had, uh, you know, fed him 28 passes for 458 yards at 15.5. Since Kyler's been back and Wilson returned from injury in like three games, not one reception. Wow. Um, That just blows my mind. Um, In fact, there's, you know, there's been a, like a a dearth of, of, of uh, wide receiver catches. Finally, Greg Dortch broke the mold last week and had a great over the middle touchdown run catch. Um, uh, He's a shifty player uh, in from the slot, but we have Rondale Moore who's, you know, flashed. I mean, he's got major league talent, but uh, he and Kyle are always sort of a little bit off with each other. I don't know what it is. Um, Kyler's put it this way. He's not a Matt Stafford who somehow gets with multiple wide receivers and knows exactly how to feed them off their breaks. I mean, he's, he's a little late in his throws. He's got a long wind up. I mean, he's got a great arm and he's got an accurate arm, but typically the throws have been late. But he has been on schedule to McBride, and that's been encouraging. And McBride has looked like a, a pro bowler in, over this stretch. Um, he's been fantastic. There's another tight end there who can catch it. It was Michael Wilson's teammate at, at Stanford last year, Elijah Higgins. He recently has been uh, getting an uptick in playing time and in catches. Uh, but – it's not a wide receiver group that, you know, can even, you know, match up even closely to yours. Uh, and especially with Hollywood Brown out. I mean, yeah, well, if, 
if Hollywood, if Hollywood Browns out, that makes life a lot easier on the Eagles who, I mean, the Eagles, the Cardinals receivers don't have to go up against the Eagles receivers. They got to go up against our secondary, which is not, not imposing most of the time, but um, it does sound like uh, rookie Keely Ringo will get the start for Darius Slay. And, and he's been quite good uh, since they put him into the starting lineup. James Bradbury, however, has had a miserable season. It does appear like he's just lost a step and, and he, if he was matched oh. up against Brown, that could be a mismatch that they could exploit over the top. And, you know, we've, we've seen this Eagles defense, allow, you know, allow Darius Slayton to, to haul in a 75-yard touchdown pass over the top last week. So, I mean, you don't, you don't have to have Pro Bowl wide receivers to burn this Eagles secondary. But uh, overall, it, it sounds as though this is still a matchup that uh, the, the, the Eagles should win. The, uh, according to DVOA, the Eagles come into this game with the number eight offense in football. Cardinals defense ranked dead last. The Cardinals offense comes in ranked 26. The Eagles defense ranks 23rd. So uh, a little bit more evenly matched Eagles defense on Cardinals offense. And I think Obviously, whoever comes out on top in that matchup might have the edge in this game, although the Eagles' offensive advantage over the Cardinals' defense could could render that other thing moot. So we'll, we'll kind of have to see how things shake out here in the Jonathan Gannon Bowl uh, this Sunday here, Walter. But before I let you go, let me have you finish up with, uh, with a, a, a prediction, I guess, on how you see things uh, shaking out this Sunday afternoon. Uh, 42 to 10. No. Oh. Uh, you know the Eagles haven't had a forty-two to ten game all year. They haven't had they haven't had a, a they haven't had a, a cruise to victory game all season. It, it, that oh, I can't, I don't even know what that would feel like this year. What what that will do to ease the burdens, to ease the minds of of Eagles fans throughout the the Delaware Valley. Well, folks, make sure that you're reading everything that Walter and his pals over um, at what's your website again? I just ran, I just lost Revenge my page. Revenge of the Birds. Revenge of the Birds, Dagnabbit. Yes, I had it right here. Read everything that Walter and all his friends over at Revenge of the Birds are doing to get your eye on the enemy to take care of uh, the Cardinals as they come into town here on Sunday afternoon. The Jonathan Gannon Bowl coming to Philadelphia. Hey, Walter, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Good luck this week. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, let me finish things up here uh, with a, a couple of, of quick picks around the NFL. Of course, on Saturday, uh, you have the Detroit Lions taking on the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. I, I, I Again, this is one of those games where either outcome benefits the Eagles in some way. Uh, if the, the Cowboys lose and the Eagles man, then the Eagles will have a chance to officially clinch the NFC East and become repeat division champions, the first time the NFC East will have had repeat division champions since the Eagles in 2004. That would be cool. That would be great. However, it would also almost certainly lock up the two seed for the Detroit Lions if the Eagles were not able to take advantage of a potential 49ers loss over the course of the last two weeks of the season. So if the Cowboys lose, provided, of course, the Eagles beat the Cardinals, it would open up the possibility for them to win the NFC East, but could ultimately cost them the two seed. If the Cowboys beat the Lions, the Eagles still have control of the NFC East. They still control their own destiny by virtue of uh, the tiebreakers and the fact that they would hold a one-game lead over the Dallas Cowboys still. So even a Cowboys win would allow the Eagles to maintain that one-game lead, but it would knock the Lions one game back of the Eagles and open up the possibility of the two-seed if the Eagles are not able to finish with a better record than the 49ers. And, of course, the 49ers finish with a game against the Commanders uh, in uh, yeah, it's in Washington this week, and then they close with a very tough game against the Rams at home, a very good Rams team, a team that is playing really well, surging as the playoffs come closer. So... That, that Rams game, the 49ers could lose to the Rams. They absolutely could lose to the Rams in the final week of the season, uh, which, again, then that would, if the Eagles can win out, then that would give the Eagles the one seed in the NFC playoff picture. But if you're looking at Dallas and uh, Detroit, I think Dallas is going to win that home game. Uh, Dallas has been tremendous at home, undefeated so far this year at home. That's a big spot for Detroit. It would be a needle mover for the Lions and a huge confidence boost for them going into the playoffs if they can go into Dallas as the Cowboys try to avoid a three-game losing streak. They would, If they lose on Saturday, they would match the Eagles' three-game losing streak that they had uh, as, as uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago as well. So I got the Cowboys beating the Lions, though, in that game. And then um, you're looking at 49ers commanders. Obviously, the 49ers, I think, are almost certainly going to win that game as well. Um, but as the Eagles come into play on Sunday, there a lot of possibilities, specifically with that game on Saturday, that we'll be keeping an eye on. All right. Real quick before we wrap up, Eric Allen is one of 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Should have happened a long time ago. The former second-round pick in the 1988 draft was great from the second he hit the field as a rookie. This guy it was one of the biggest ball hawks in football during the Buddy Ryan 46 defense and eventually the Bud Carson defense once Ryan was fired after the 1990 season. 54 career interceptions tied for 21st in NFL history. That's the same as former as Hall of Famer Daryl Green, a contemporary of Eric Allen's. One more than Hall of Famers Ty Law and Deion Sanders and two more than Hall of Famer, Famer Champ Bailey. Uh, he had five interceptions in his rookie season. In his second season, he was first-team All-Pro with a career-high eight interceptions 
and his first Pro Bowl nod. He was a second-team All-Pro two times in 1991 and 93, made six Pro Bowls in his first eight seasons, five of them with the Eagles. In 1993, he finished with a league-high four defensive touchdowns, including a legendary return against the Jets in Week 4. I have uh, the video of that on my Bleeding Green Nation post that you'll definitely want to check out. But when you think about, and then he also, after that, he played three seasons in New Orleans, where he started every game for three straight seasons there. Five interceptions in those three years. He was then traded to the Raiders and played the final four seasons there through his age 36 season led the league in interceptions in 2000 with three, and had a remarkable 15 interceptions after turning 33 years old. He never finished a season without an interception during his 14-year career, and he's the only cornerback with 50 or more interceptions and eight return touchdowns not currently enshrined in Canton. But you have to really look at, it's more than just about the numbers with him. When he was in Philadelphia playing for Buddy Ryan, and specifically more with Buddy Ryan than Bud Carson, because Bud Carson's defense was certainly blitz-happy. But Buddy Ryan's 46 defense just sent waves and waves of, of defenders on blitzes continually. Like, they just never stopped. And that put Eric Allen on an island pretty much the whole game. He was asked to go up against another team's number one receiver every single week, all by himself, with virtually no help. Andre Waters and, and, and Wes Hopkins constantly blitzing. He, he very infrequently had safety help. So he not only was a ball hawk and got all those interceptions and was a playmaker with the ball in his hands, he was also a really, really technically sound cornerback who could, who could shut down opposing wide receivers in an era when they didn't throw the ball nearly as much, so the opportunity for interceptions weren't as great, but also... He was all alone most of the time. That defense would not have worked to the extent that it did without having a true lockdown number one cornerback. And that's what Eric Allen was. He was as good as any cornerback in the NFL. He was as good as Daryl Green. Was he, he wasn't as good as Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was his own guy. But as good a cornerback in the NFL during the time that he was in the NFL, especially during his time in Philadelphia, which was the peak of his career. But the longevity, the numbers, the impact. He should be in the Hall of Fame. There will, there can be no more than five finalists, so 10 players at least are going to be disappointed here. And Eric Allen may be one of them, but he may be one of the five finalists. He has to be named on at least 80% of the ballots. I'm, I, I tend to believe he won't be one of the five, but he should be, and he should be enshrined into Canton at some point uh, during the course of uh, his his uh, his life, his post-career playing time. So Eric Allen, good that he made the, the final cut, and hopefully it's not the first time if he's not able to be one of the five finalists. And it, can, it could be up to five. It doesn't have to be. It, it can be less than five if uh, not enough players get 80% on the ballots. All right, everybody, that's... Oh, I didn't give you my prediction. Uh, prediction for this game. This has to be an easy Eagles win, right? They, they, they can't struggle with the Cardinals. They, they, they can't. They just can't with all of the injuries the Cardinals have. And the Eagles are getting healthier as the week goes along. Darius Slay is the only one not practicing as of Friday morning. Like, this has to be a comfortable Eagles win. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as Walter will, but I'll say 35 to 13. Like, this, this has to be that game where the Eagles pile up 200 rushing yards. A.J. Brown gets, gets one deep or Devontae Smith gets one deep. 
where Jalen Hurts is on cruise control in this game, and the Eagles' defense can can finally get some get some traction under them against a, a Cardinals offense that really just isn't very good. If they can just avoid the stupid turnovers, last week's game would have been a laugher. No stupid turnovers this week. If they avoid the stupid turnovers, this is a three-score victory for the Eagles at least. So I'll say, what was what did I say? 34 to 14? I'll say I'll, 37 to 14. We've gone 37 to 14. Eagles beat the Cardinals here on Sunday afternoon. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Walter Mitchell once again for hopping on the podcast to talk with me. And uh, folks, want to just again point you to the bleedinggreennation.com page where you can find all of the latest on what's been going on with the birds this week. Um, but also go to Revenge of the Birds, the Cardinals SB Nation site, to keep your eye on the enemy there as well. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week right here on Eye on the Enemy. G and